Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight, a candid conversation with Grammy Award-winning rapper, producer, actor, and entrepreneur, T.I. I know what it's like to be one of the forgotten ones. Yeah. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like to feel like, you know, nobody really cares that it's like this where we are. Yeah. And, and in order for any of them to have hope, any people in that position or a position similar to ours, the ones we, we were fortunate enough to make it out of, yeah. in order to give back, like, you got to care enough. You got to care. You got to have a real genuine passion yeah. for wanting to, to do better for those that need it most. Tonight, a candid conversation with Grammy Award-winning rapper, producer, actor, and entrepreneur, T.I. Welcome to the show, T.I., or right, um, as I call you, the rest of the interview, Tip. Oh, T.I. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me, we, we let me straighten up. my posture. <laughs> nah, I'm just playing, man. Congratulations. Man, thank you. I appreciate it. Congratulations on you. It's 20 years since I'm serious, since yeah. I heard about this skinny, raw, rapping kid from the west side, from all, like, we, from neighborhoods right next to one another, but Adjacent. DJ Toomp and KB up there adjacent. You always know the big words. <laughs> <laughs> But I heard about you, I heard about Tunt working with you, KPANR, and, and when I heard the music, I met Jason Jeter, um, business partner first, and I remember Jason playing, I was just like, whoa, 20 years, man, I'm serious, we still here. Yeah. You still the king. It's a blessing. Yeah. Um, What's 20 years been like in music? I, man, the only way I could, I could describe it is, is it being more of a blessing than anything, yeah. just to do, do what I love for a living for so long. Yeah. And you know to still be among the respected, and 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 to still be relevant. People don't understand there's competition in rap, right? So if you sure. play little league ball, they tell you that other guys on the other team he's gonna want to tackle you. Got to run through them. Uh -huh. When you're a rapper, it's a similar thing. They they, they say this other guy's this and this. You got to be. And we got all that. You know, there were people hyping from all sides. But sure. I remember when a lot of the older guys, and not much older sometimes, were hurt. King of the South, they got offended, and they would try to co-op and say, what do you think about them calling themselves King? I was like, if that's what he calls himself, then he, yeah. absolutely. I don't have a problem. I never wanted to be a king. Yeah. I, so I never understood everybody. And no one else wanted to be until you created that. Yeah. And when you created it, there was a pushback. And I loved the fact that Too Short actually admitted at, at the, he said, I wasn't with it at first. And he said, a year later, I came back. And he was the king. What yeah. gave you the audacity to do it? And beyond what gave you the audacity to do it, um, do you feel like setting that marker made you, made, propelled you towards success by saying, I got to do it? Um, let's see. Okay. Because you proved yourself right. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so first off, let me, my next album is Kill the King. Um, it, it will be my next and final album. Wow. Uh, and I think that two things happened. One, I made others aware that it was okay to say you were king. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because just in all honesty, we're all kings. Absolutely. Just, just those of us who believe it and those of us who don't. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I might have been the first to say it out loud. You know what I mean? I think, but, but and if that can plant the seed for, for others after me to now feel like they're king. That's exactly 
what prompted me to do it. KP and I were riding from Lenox Mall, actually on the way to Patchwork to record Two Glock Nines with Beanie Siegel. Mm -hmm. Two Glock Nines with Beanie Siegel was my first big feature. The first time I was gonna be, you know, uh, rapping alongside uh, an all-star mm -hmm. in the game, if you will. And on the way to that session, KP and I were riding in his car. We were listening to um, Mystical's album. I think he had just dropped Tarantula, if I ain't mistaken. On his album, he said he the prince of the South. So I cut, I, so I cut the music, and I say, "But if he's the prince, who's the king?" You know, it was it was a rhetorical question. You know what I mean? I didn't really expect an answer. And then there was a, a beat of silence, and then KP and I both looked at each other, and he said, "You wouldn't." I say, well, yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and when we went to the studio, that's the first time I said I was king of the South. And oddly enough, I never really felt as strongly about it until people started telling me that I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And, and I always respected my, my, uh, my predecessors, the people who came before me, opened the doors, blaze the trail for me to be able to do what I'm doing now. So uh, what people don't know is I actually had sidebar discussions with all of the people who I had access to, who mm -hmm. I respected, who I felt that uh, should have a say in how, you know, uh, how I present myself, uh, whether or not I presented myself as the king of the South. Nobody said no. Mm -hmm. I spoke to Andre, I spoke to Big Boy, I spoke to Cujo, Timo, uh, Gip, uh, CeeLo, I spoke to Bun B. Mm -hmm. Pimp C was, he, he was away on, on, you know, on mandatory vacation. I don't talk about that. But, but he, proxied, he proxied his thoughts through Bun. I spoke to Scarface. Mm -hmm. And no one seemed to have any, now every, well, I will say there was, I was cautioned, you know what I mean? I was cautioned by Big and Scarface. Scarface was like, man, I don't want to be king. You know, yeah. go ahead. You can have that. And Big said, well, now, if you're going to be king, just understand you're putting a target on your back. You're making yourself, you know, susceptible to, to, to dispute and controversy. Uh, I don't think that's what he said. I don't think in those words, but that was the that was the the, the target thought. on your back. He did, yeah, he did that. say that. So, and uh, I was, you know, I was with all that. I was like, but you don't have an issue though. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't worried about what nobody else how they feel. You do you have an issue? Cool. Me knowing they did not object or that they did not have any uh, negative uh, uh, feelings or knee jerk reactions to it. That gave me everything I needed to push through the rest of the industry. Because yeah. these are the only ones who have something, should have something to say about it. Yeah. None of you guys in my class or in a class below theirs should even be speaking on it. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I just pushed with that, with, 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 with that enthusiasm, and, and it brought me all the way here to today. Hey, take a good look at me. Now picture me unhappy. You have stepped off the throne many times, come out of the castle and been right there in the streets down to the protests that were happening sure. at the CNN Center um, and even standing with the mayor. When you don't get treated right in New York, when you don't get treated right in L.A., when you can't get treated right in Detroit, when you don't get treated right in St. Louis, when you don't get treated right in, in Alabama, Atlanta has been here for us. This city don't deserve it. However, I understand that a lot of others do. But 
we can't do this here. This is Wakanda. It's sacred. It must be protected. What brought you to social activism? And what keeps you there? Because it's often a thankless job, especially when you have a target on your back. What brought me to it was um, the thought of me questioning myself. Like, questioning myself is, you know, looking around, okay, you have all these things, you've, you've done all this stuff, you have all this access, but what have you really done to shape and mold the world that your children will have to live in? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how have you used your influence to impact society to benefit your children and grandchildren as they grow to inherit the world that you leave behind? Yeah. And when I think about that, when I thought, I mean, like a hit record ain't gonna do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, a platinum plaque or, you know, like none of that shit gonna do that. What's the use in being able to buy your child a Benz for, for their birthday if they gonna get snatched out of it at the red light? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I know what it's like to be one of the forgotten ones. Yeah. I know what it's like, I know what it feel like to feel like, you know, nobody really cares that it's like this where we are. Yeah. And, and in order for any of them to have hope, any people in that position or a position similar to ours, the ones we we were fortunate enough to make it out of, yeah. in order to give back, like you got to care enough, you got to care, you got to have a real genuine passion yeah. for wanting to to do better for those that need it most. I think that's what got me there, just having a heart, you know what I mean? Just just having empathy because you know, I know how I was impacted, I know how people around me was impacted, so I just want to do what I can and kind of just use my influence as much as possible. You actually had the honor of teaching at, it's a Clark, right? Yes, at, Clark Atlanta um, which, which is the most well-connected group of kids. Those kids, yes. when they come out of the entertainment industry, they're everywhere. Absolutely. So you got to teach Trap Biz. You and mm -hmm. Title partnered to do that. What was that like, getting an opportunity, not only from the street perspective, but from what you would actually learn from some of the best mentors? Because you've been around L.A. Reid. You've been around Kevin, Kevin Lyles. Mm -hmm. You and Jason Jeter did a phenomenal business. You, I've seen you grow business people within your organization. Jason Jeter, Hannah Kane, Clay. You are... Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. About the business of being in business. I caught on late. Like, I was an artist for the first 18 years of my career. Mm -hmm. And I had to understand, like, no, being a businessman is really, you have to marry yourself to art and talent and order to have that longevity. Mm -hmm. What was teaching like? You know, what was your reward out of that? So what comes to mind is... A phrase that was 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 bestowed upon me by our young partner, uh, Thugger, yeah. who we call Slime. Slime. So you know, I interviewed him for my 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 podcast. You know, when it was running, called Expedition. And and what he said to me is, "You must teach what's been taught." Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? So all of those things that you just listed, which I, you know, I take part credit. I can't take full credit for because I really do believe I'm just a vessel. I'm an instrument. You know what I mean? I think that um, all of those people that you named have their own individual and collective ability to do great things. Yes. Um, I, I, I was just put here by the universe to kind of inspire, encourage, enhance, and support. Yeah. Um, if everything that I've done and everything that I've learned doesn't get passed on to benefit the next generation, then it just dies with me. Yeah. And that's not that's not a win. That's not, you know, I don't think ain't no progression, ain't no evolution in that. Yeah. You got to lay it out for somebody else to be able to grab onto it, for them to enhance it and, and, and allow it to manifest itself into the next level or the next phase Absolutely. of success. Um, and that's kind of what teaching or sharing my experiences were like. Came from a speaking engagement that I did in Louisiana and at that speaking engagement, uh, one of a teacher from Grambling, as, yeah. a matter of, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, came and, and said, hey, listen, uh, I just want to gauge your interest on, on teaching at an HBCU. Yeah. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, her name's Melva, Miss Melva Williams, by yeah. the way. And she said, yeah, sure. And I said, man, I mean, I'll explore. Let's li I, yeah, sure, yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. And I think what we came to terms was, was it, it would be better for me to start that journey in Atlanta yeah. at the AU. Yeah. And when she extended that, that, that idea or opportunity to um, her counterparts at Clark Atlanta University, they said, without, without question. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then we just began to build a curriculum. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, that opportunity has allowed me to show how the, first of all, so the course is the business of trap music. Yes. Okay, trap music is music in, around, involving, and telling the stories of uh, people who were affected by the war on drugs. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, in order to talk about the business of trap music, in order to talk about trap music, you must talk about the source, which is the war on drugs and how it happened yeah. and what caused for all of these stories to become relevant to so many people. Absolutely. What causes so many people to have visceral reactions and to have real palpable feelings uh, uh, when you hear Percocet, Percocet, Molly, Percocet so many times mm -hmm. on the radio and it becomes a top ten hit. Mm -hmm. and. And it becomes a top 10 hit because so many people can relate to it. Mm -hmm. How can they relate to it? Because the opioid crisis. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. These are people who are put in positions that they didn't put themselves in. It's a, it's a, a, a system far, far, far more authoritative than they, than they have uh, uh, the helm of that are placing them in a place that they can't necessarily get themselves out of. Yeah. And when they hear... Songs like Dope Boys and Trap Niggas, when they hear songs like uh, Mask Off, or, yeah. you know, any of these other songs that, you know, people say promote yeah. this kind of activity, it's really therapy for them and letting them know yeah. that they aren't going through it alone. Absolutely. 
I view you as a Renaissance man, as a Gordon Parks-like <laughs> figure, because you're, you're a brilliant kid. You came up in the middle of the crack era. Entertainment was a way out of the streets to you. But artistically, you're one of the most artistic men I've met. You've done everything from stand on a corner and trap as a kid to, to act in some of the biggest movies that we've seen and now directing. But prison mm -hmm. has been a part of your journey. Sure. Um, twice spent. We yeah. missed you dearly. Well, wait a minute. Well, yeah, prison yeah, you went, twice. Yeah, 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 you went to prison twice. County jail. I County jail. Several, yeah, we got too many stints. to count. Yeah. yeah, they know you now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when we're talking about prison, mm -hmm. I love you like a brother. So it hurt every time you went, and, and you know, beyond because I spent some time at Grand Hustle. Beyond economically, mm -hmm. it, it it slowed everything. But I literally missed my friend. What was prison like, and how has it changed you? Well, first of all. I want to just make it very clear. Prison is nothing more than a plantation. Gotcha. Okay, it's nothing more than a plantation for cheap, if not free labor. Gotcha. You know, there are corporations that uh, partner with prisons and, and they make their, their uh, whatever their uh, export is. Mm -hmm. You know, and they make it for pennies on the dollar, and they sell it at you know. Like the forks we use, the forks that okay, napkins that we use, mattresses. Because you know. the 13th Amendment says that slavery, slavery is, is abolished unless in prison. Except for okay. yeah, yeah. So it truly is a plantation. Yeah, yeah. It truly is a plantation. It's really like you know what I'm saying. I remember like one of my first days there. I remember waking up like you know uh, you know early. I remember sitting like during what they call a move. And a move is sort of like in high school, when the bell rings, Change you got a certain amount of time to go from one place to the next. And if you get caught after the bell, then you know what I'm saying, you get a you get a demerit, a write up, or something like that. So, but 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 just sitting and looking at all of these black men, because it's mostly black, there are white people there. Poor. Not enough to notice. Usually poor, but, though, right? Yeah, I mean, some poor, nah, you know what I'm saying? Bernie Madoff was in there, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot you went to Feds. You didn't yeah, go to state. Okay, yeah, okay. I was okay. in the Feds. But, but uh, I'm just saying, when you look at all of the peop these faces of color, it enlightened me, and it also, you know what I'm saying, it kind of discouraged me a bit. Because it just felt like it ain't, like, it. It's a, it's a problem too big for me to fix. Mm. You know what I mean? And I don't, I'm a solution-based person. I usually don't try to get caught up into feeling any way about anything without trying to provide a solution for mm. it. And I just ain't, I ain't, have, I ain't have no solution. The best thing I could do is kind of like spend time around the people who I felt were like-minded. Yeah. You know, uh, I coached flag football, coached softball, I yeah. taught a class. So they imprisoned your body, but definitely did not imprison your mind and imagination. Absolutely not. But i tell you what it did do, though. So I had a very unique set of circumstances. Uh, my prison sentence uh, came after a year-long community service mm -hmm. tour. So to become eligible for a downward departure from the mandatory minimum of my charges, I had to earn that right by doing a thousand hours of community service, mm -hmm. touring the nation, um, speaking to kids in schools, boys and girls club, YMCA's, mm -hmm. youth detention centers. Did some of that with you? Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and 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 speaking to kids about you know how to navigate themselves through uh, through through the challenges of living in the inner city without winding up in prison or doing things that 
you know, they didn't have to do the same way we did. And, and, and at the end of that year, at the end of, the, of that community service, to be honest with you, I was rehabilitated. Yeah. I had learned, like, what I did wrong. You know, yeah. I found the peril, uh, the error in my ways, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? After I completed those thousand hours and I went back in front of the judge and he sent me to prison, so now it went from, okay, I know what I need to do mm -hmm. to I got to do what I got to do. Mm. And then when I made it back out, I didn't have the same mentality as I did going in. Yeah. What I want you to talk about is your legacy. Because what I've heard is the kid that I met, man, who was, who was not backing down from no beef, who destroyed a couple of careers, the businessman that helped people who were talented get a bigger platform, the artistic and creative um, person that's provided dope art, whether through music or book or film. Ultimately, you are a Gordon Park-like figure. I mean, you are truly a Renaissance man. What is the legacy that you want to leave? You know, I imagine you're going to be around another 50, 60 years or so. I want to be considered authentic and, and, and honest and true to, my, to myself. And, and I want to be, hmm, I want to be my son's first hero and my daughter's first love. That's I mean, like, to be honest with you, the rest of this stuff, for real, don't matter. And that's a, you know, I think that's a big thing that prison taught me, too. A lot of the stuff that we go back and forth about, it don't, it really don't matter. You know what I mean? You know, who, you know, who, who who's, holds a certain position of opinion in other people's hearts and minds. People's opinion of me is no business of mine. We talk almost daily, and we say to each other, say this to one another daily. So much to the fact that that daily thing we say to each other is turned into a show. But I truly love and respect you. Man, likewise. I truly love and respect the example you set, not only likewise. for your children and family and friends, but for the world. And um, just thank you for coming on the show, man. man I look forward to you coming back and us just talking strictly about art. It's always a pleasure, man. Whenever we can sit down and just have open dialogue about nothing in particular, whatever comes yeah. to mind, man, it's always a good time. Well, when you come back, we'll talk more, man. I love and respect you I, immensely. Likewise, Absolutely. stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's.